Joining us now, he's from the Golf Channel. You see him on there all the time. Rex Hoggard is joining us. What's going on, Rex? Morning, boys. How you doing? Good, oh, man. Oh, we're doing good. Is it nice and toasty warm down there in Orlando? Is a little cool to start to the day. No, it's absolutely perfect. And this is vastly different than what we ended up with early in the week. On Wednesday morning, I think the wind chill was about 31 degrees on the rain. So it's warmed up quite a bit, and it's going to be a perfect day. 31 degrees in central Florida is freezing cold, isn't it, Rex? I mean, that's a colder cold than 31 up here is because I've been down there, and I know. That's dead of winter. It lasts about 15 minutes. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. Wait, but were the players still wearing shorts in the practice rounds? <laughs> no, no, no. No one was wearing shorts. No. And everyone was wearing parkas. It was tough on the pro-am day. But it, like I said, it's gotten better. And the golf course this week is, is really, I mean, I think I first covered this event in 1996. And the golf course is playing as firm and fast as I've ever seen it. Awesome. Well, I'm surprised Phil showed up because the rough's a little deep there this week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, apparently, it's right there in that two, two-and-a-half-inch threshold that he has set for the players next week. That, that That's where he kind of draws the line. He, if it's two inches, he's fine. If it's two-and-a-half, we're going to have to see what happens next week. Yeah, we just had Derek Sprague on, and he was he was telling us the same thing that you're saying. I mean, that two-and-a-half inches of rough when it's overseeded and juicy is, is tough, especially like we talked about with him uh, when you short-side yourself on that golf course. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really tough, I think. Well, and the thing, I mean, talking with players getting ready for next week, it, it's actually going to play, I'm not going to say easier, but from a driving perspective, because the fairways are overseeded now and it's a little bit softer than what we've become accustomed to in May, I think effectively the fairways are going to be wider. Now, that being said, the golf course will probably play a little bit longer than it has in May as well, just because of a northern wind, you can end up getting some rain, overseed, everything that factors into it. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, you you guys uh, usually walk just inside the ropes. That means you guys have to navigate the rough. I mean, have you let the you know the API and the and sawgrass know that it's not as fun for you either at that length? Uh, I could be with two two and a half. Once we start getting to that U.S. Open rough, and you know, and you get those crazy climbs like a Whistling Straits or Chambers Bay, that's when I feel like I should get hazardous duty pay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's get down and dirty here. Uh, we we know the back and forth that's been going on with Justin Thomas and the USGA and some of the other players. Um, I've been a proponent for a long time of one set of rules of golf. Now I'm starting to get on the camp of, and I, it's hard for me to explain that maybe the PGA Tour and the European Tour and whatever tour wants to do it, maybe they should start implementing their own local rules if they can, or having their own set of rules for these guys to, I don't know, eliminate some of these issues that we seem to be having every week because I, th- I feel like we're talking more about rules than who's winning golf tournaments. Um, you know, it's a fun conversation. And it? I mean, you, we could probably sit here and talk about this for the next 30 minutes. And I, I do think that there is something to that. And if you kind of look at it, every week there's a local card at a PGA Tour event, and there is a certain form of bifurcation already. I and mean, we want to get technical PGA Tour plays by a different standard of rules than maybe you and I do on our Saturday morning foursome. That being said, I mean, the memo that Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, sent to players on Monday of this week, he made it pretty clear. Uh, I don't think the Tour or the European Tour or any other body outside of the RNA and USGA want to get into the rules business because I think they all acknowledge that they're not the experts and that these current rules that everyone seems to be having a problem with aren't perfect. However, and I've, I've kind of pointed this out, quite a bit over the last couple of days, the PGA Tour, the European Tour, they have a seat at the table. 
So anything that's wrong with these current set of rules, the players only need to look at their own rules officials and ask, why did you guys approve this? Because really, I mean, they, they don't have final approval, but everything they, they recommended, the USG and the RNA follows. So these are golf's best minds. I think eventually they'll figure it out. I think what we ended up with this week, and I'll give Jay Monahan credit, I, I think he just wanted to bring the temperature of the room down. Yeah, and everyone had gotten a little bit too hot. Justin Thomas, uh, I love that he has an opinion, but he had probably gone overboard a little bit. And certainly the USGA calling him out in a tweet, that was way overboard. Yeah, it was. And, and, and then you have Adam Scott saying that, it's, that leaving the pin and the, the flag in the hole is the easiest thing in the world. You know, and, and, and now that I'm watching golf a little more carefully, especially when, in the putting, you know, it, it does look like it's a great advantage, seriously. Well, it was, it's interesting talking with uh, Thomas Cagle earlier this year. It, that rule had nothing to do with, with some sort of competitive advantage. Right. Even though I think we've gotten to that point, it was all about pace of play. And I don't know about you guys, but I've played with the flagstick in every round I've played this year, and I, I do think it speeds up play for us. Uh, for the PGA Tour players, I'm not 100% sure, yeah, and I think that's probably one they're going to revisit. Because I don't think they ever intended this to, to, to give guys who might struggle visualizing the hole some sort of advantage. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still not sold. I mean, I haven't I haven't had a chance to play much because all it does is rain up here in the Charlotte area. But I just feel like, you know, if you're playing with your boys on Saturday or Sunday morning and you chip one up to, you know, a foot and a half or two feet, they're giving it to you anyway. So, you know, being able to walk up and tap it in with the flag stick in is not that big of an advantage for me. I mean, you know, if you walk by grab the pin out or you know if you want to putt i mean it may save a little bit of time here and there for me it's not a tremendous amount of time over a round of golf if you're if you're doing it the right way to begin with i don't i don't know how much time it necessarily saves me but for me it's just a bad visual and i don't think i'd ever yeah i don't think i'm going to roll 10 foot putts with the flag stick in um it's what's really going to be ugly for me is when it starts happening at augusta it's just not gonna it's not gonna look right at all for me uh, that that's the one, and this goes back to our previous conversation. So I just made a whole argument about how there is not going to be a bifurcation of the rules. But the first time someone makes a five footer on the 18th green in Augusta National to win the Masters, I can envision one body deciding to change the rules because that's not a good look. Yeah, and you know, yesterday I was watching the PGA Champions, and Corey Pavin makes this 80 footer, and it hits the flag so hard, Rex. It's kind of like one of those things like I've done where you you scull it out of a bunker and it just hits square in the pin, and then the ball falls in. That that happened yesterday with him, and I, that's just not part of what I think golf is at all. No, and I, I had that game exactly. That's kind of what I'm hoping on to hit in the pin right. when I scold those. But I, I think what you're going to end up with, and, and players have talked about it, I think it's less about using this as some sort of backboard than it is visual, where if you've got even a 10-15 footer for Adam Scott, for example, he seems to think with the flagstick in the hole, it gives him a better vantage point. Mm-hmm. And I, there, there aren't any studies done. I actually asked the ShotLink guys a few weeks ago on the PGA Tour if there's a way for them to sort of filter and try to figure out who's putting with the flagstick in and are they putting better. And they don't have that stat, and I'm not sure that's ever going to be available, but that would be really the only way to study it. You know, If you took a whole year and were able to do it, you, you could take a hard look that way. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and Rex, the other thing too is the is the the player, you know, the caddy behind the player. I think has caused a lot of stir. Um, I I feel like I know the intention of that rule, and it was it seemed like it was more LPGA where you had the the caddy standing behind the player and and lining them up, which I was never in favor of. Um, but you know, again, is this one that's maybe gotten away from the USJ and the RNA because it's almost like the caddy can't, you know, the caddies aren't 
trying to line the player up, but if they get caught at a certain point anywhere behind the player, it becomes an issue, even if there's no intention. And it always seemed like that the rules in, in golf, there was intent. If you intended to hit a shot, you know, and the ball and you touch the ball off the tee or something like, you know, you know, we all know that if you tee it up and you're, you haven't taken the swing yet and you knock the ball off, it doesn't count. But yet if you're standing behind the player and you have no intent of giving him information, you might be just moving out of the way or talking about the wind direction or something like that. Then it becomes a penalty. So, you know, it seems like we don't have a standard sometimes in golf. Well, and that's a great point. I was talking with some caddies yesterday out at Bay Hill, and that, that's the point they brought up. That, look, if you want to have this rule, fine, but if there's something that's on the edge, go to the player. Did you tell him to line you up? No. Go to the caddy. Were you lining him up? No. And, and we do use intent now. So I don't know why this was so complicated. I, I found it fascinating that in Maui, so this is the first event of the year. I asked Roy McElroy, you know, which of these new rules concerns you the most? And he went straight to this exact scenario that we're having problem with. And I bring this up only because of, as I mentioned, the best minds in golf, whether that's RNA, USJ, PGA Tour, European Tour, what have you, they're all in the same room, and they didn't envision this. Right. So that, to me, is a little concerning that, look, this was pretty clear that if Rory could see this coming, that why didn't someone else in the room see it? Now, I think this is probably one that they're going to continue to tinker with. They, they don't want... Patty's lining up players, but I do think there needs to be some intent. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it could get to the point where, you know, and we've seen it with the bunker shots. I mean, there sometimes there's just nowhere for these guys to stand. I mean, it could happen that you are in a certain situation where there's nowhere for the caddy to stand except behind the player at some point, whether he's hitting out of the trees. I mean, and now you're going to force the, the player to have to wait and the caddy to have to move and try and relocate or something. It's just going to get weird for me. And again, I mean... I mean, if the caddy's standing behind the player and he's got his back to him, I mean, he could still be penalized. I'm not lining you. I'm not even looking at you. I'm not, I'm not looking. I'm not looking, but you could get a penalty. <laughs> but a, a, this is the fascinating thing to me. A player can walk in front of their – I mean, a caddy can walk in front of their player yeah. and essentially line them up. And the player can take a stance and prepare to hit, and obviously the caddy's going to move because he's got to get out of the way of the shot. But that's legal, but standing behind him is not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the rule doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, so, so down there at the Arnold Palmer, um, you know, here we are a couple of years into Arnie not being around. Um, the good news is I don't think the, the, the tournament's lost any, any luster. It's almost maybe been um, increased a little bit with Arnie being memorialized all the time. Uh, the scheduling doesn't seem like it hopefully didn't affect the field too much. So I think this, this tournament's still in a good shape. I think so. I was talking with the tournament director from the Valspar, Tampa, in a couple of weeks, and she was kind of talking about the ebb and flow of the Florida swing and what we all expected to happen, and we were curious. And it looks as if, and this is unfortunate because they've done a wonderful job down at the Honda Classic, but it looks like the Honda is going to be the one that took the real hit yeah. as far as, you know, strength of field. Because this week, as you pointed out, Bay Hill looks very, very good. I think Tampa is going to end up being much better than people think. I even think there's a chance the Tiger will play there, depending on, you know, how the next week works out with his neck injury and if he plays or not. So I, I, I do think that Bay Hill, it's, it's as strong as ever, and I'll give the PGA Tour credit on this one for kind of separating it, making these Im invitational special, giving guys who win it three-year exemptions. It, it really kind of gives it that unique feel, and it makes it important to players. Yeah. Yeah. Did, by the way, speaking of Tiger, did anybody see this coming? It seemed like Rory McIlroy maybe knew it was coming because uh, Tiger was getting treatment last week, but it seemed like that, that maybe was hidden that Tiger was getting treatment last week or two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, no, I was pretty surprised when Rory told me that this week. Uh, and, you know, I... Did we see it coming? Uh, I saw the KT tape. 
you know, last year at the Open Championship at Carnoustie. He said it was something that had been bugging him for a while uh, at the Ryder Cup. I think everyone could see that, especially on Saturday and Sunday, he, he was moving slow. You could tell he was sore, and it, it was at the end of a long stretch, the playoffs, the Ryder Cup, everything that goes into that. But, no, I didn't see a WD coming. I, I felt like we were kind of at the point now where he had moved beyond that. And talking with Rory, who knows him pretty well, I think this is very cautionary on Tiger's part. I mean, I think he's really focused, obviously, just a few weeks away for the Masters, and he's not going to put himself in a position that potentially he's not going to be able to play that. But it sets up an interesting scenario for him over the next couple weeks because one thing's clear. He doesn't want to play three in a row. And the other thing is he needs reps before he gets to the Masters. So essentially we have three events, the players, Valspar, and match play, that are all on the table. And I don't think he's going to play all three, but I think he really wants to play as much as he can in those two that he does. Yeah, I think it's and and I think people have been hinting at it. It, it really seems like the Tiger almost during events has been working on certain things and certain shots. I mean, you can almost see Masters preparation going on during these rounds where he's moving the ball a little more right to left than maybe we've seen in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see if he continues to to kind of play towards the majors. I mean, we always know he's done that, but uh it seems like it's even more magnified now. And he made it clear at the end of last season that, look, he was going to change his schedule. He needed to keep something in the tank for late in the year. And, and I think we're going to end up seeing that. I think he will trim. But everything, again, is going to go back to make sure he plays his best going into those four events. Yeah, well, Rex, always great to talk to you. Uh, you know, stay nice and warm down there in Orlando. I know it's tough. <laughs> uh, it is tough. But I, I've got a T-shirt on, but I'll warm up then. <laughs> All right, Thank man. You, Thanks Rex. a lot. See you, boys.